homosexual hostile takeover of the Catholic Church. This is a kind of enemy occupation. Nothing will be rooted out. Nothing will be changed if, if these people are, are allowed to, to remain in place. Doyle says if a good man were elected pope tomorrow, and it's not a given that there's one in the wings, it would take a generation to resolve the problem. I'm Steve Jordahl. And finally, Labor Day weekend is upon us. All studies suggest you might be traveling this weekend. Throughout much of the nation, Labor Day signifies the end of summer vacations and a return to more regular working hours. Daylight is less. It's darker in the morning when you leave your home. That's why so many people take one last trip somewhere, traditionally this weekend. An airline industry group expects 16.5 million passengers this weekend, and that's a half a million more than last year. But if you're not flying, though driving... AAA says gas prices are down in recent weeks, but about 45 cents higher than last Labor Day. Evan Brown, Fox News. For American Family News, I'm Rush D.P. Abraham Hamilton III. God put us in this world at this time to be salt and light. We don't fool because of the darkness that we're facing. This is not the first time in the world's history that it's gotten dark. God has called you and I to be his ambassadors, even in this dark moment. Tune in to the Hamilton Quarter, weekdays at 5 p.m. Central on Urban Family Talk. She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Now, Stacy Washington. Welcome into the show, Friday. That's right, it's Friday. It's the end of the week. And Monday is a day of rest from labor because it's Labor Day. Oh, yeah. So we'll be enjoying that. Um, right now, I want to talk to you a little bit about who's on the show today. We have Republican strategist Lauren Zelt coming on this hour to talk news of the day, break down a few things for us. And then we're going to have a few discussions about, you know, uh, evil striking out and getting bitten back in one case. And in another case, uh, another example of people who shouldn't be here in the country, illegal immigrants, um, killing Americans. So we have that as well. Um, I, I'm, I'm tired of it. But it's going to take more than me being tired of it and you being tired of it. It's going to take all of us collectively being tired of it, regardless of party, in order to make a change in that area. And then we have some really good news today. I love doing Good News Friday. I love good news any day, but especially on Fridays because it's a great way to launch off into the weekend. And so we have some information about that LGBT counseling bill that was getting pushed through in the assembly in California, which would have been kind of like a benchmark for the rest of the country to basically punish Christian counseling organizations for trying to help people who are confused about their gender. Instead of being able to tell them, look, there's there's hope, there's help, they would be forced to ignore what the Bible says and to basically validate the incorrect thinking of people who are mentally ill and really need assistance. And so we're I, I'm I'm overjoyed to see this news and we're going to talk about that as well. And we're also going to uh get into your calls. In fact, I'm going to be taking those all hour, so I'd love to chat with you if you want to weigh in on anything we've discussed this week or anything that we're currently discussing on the show today, please feel free. It's 866-963-2037. You call in and I'll get to you as as expediently as I can while we're covering the information. Right now, 
I want to talk about this. This is a breaking news story. It's uh, you might have seen a little bit about it, but I, I found the response from the sheriff to be very, very instructive. And so this is good information for all of us, the law abiding and the lawbreakers. This is all for this is a, a group buffet for everybody. So you have this Uber driver who's called to pick someone up and he kind of drives into this situation that he's he's not aware of what's going on. He happens to be an off-duty police academy graduate, a concealed carry permit holder who is carrying at the time. So, you know, every person who has a concealed carry permit does not carry all of the time. But if you have the permit, you are permitted to carry. That permit also extends to your vehicle, which is treated as your domicile in um, stand your ground states. And so you, and, and also in castle doctrine states. And so you, you have this Uber driver coming in. So in the first audio clip, you're going to hear the reporter kind of set this up and you'll get a feel for what was going on before the actual shooting. It's number three. Justifiable homicide all day long. Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd says the evidence shows the Uber driver, Robert Westlake acted in self-defense. Jason Boak stopped in front of Westlake, got out of his truck, and pulled out a cell phone like a handgun as he approached the car. I say something. Westlake called 911 as he tried to revive Boak. He ran me off road, jumped out of his vehicle. I couldn't get away. He came towards me, shouted, "He's got a pistol!" Reached for his waistband. I'm applying pressure to the wound. He's faintly breathing. So here's the backstory on that. You have this guy who's a convicted felon and he's at this, it's like a roadside bar, a place to eat, if you will. And when, while he's there drinking and eating, his ex-girlfriend, she shows up and she sits down and has some drinks with him and they get into a bit of a brawl. They start fighting. And so she leaves. She says, I'm out of here. And then they begin to text back and forth. Enter the Uber driver who's unaware of any of this happening and going on. The Uber, well, the guy who's doing the the convicted felon, that's Jason Beck, B-O-E-K. He's 34 years old. He's fresh out of prison. Um, So the Uber driver is 38-year-old Robert Westlake. Now, Robert Westlake has a dash cam in his car that he uses for Uber pickups. So he's an Uber driver and he has a dash cam. Now, what happens next is is where it gets it's unfortunate, but this is what happens when, you know, if you're if you're a criminal, obviously you're not the smartest tool in the in in the in the shed. And now you've got the problem of being inebriated and also, you know, upset because you've had this disagreement with your girlfriend. So he's he's thinking Jason Beck, the ex-con his girlfriend leaves in a huff and he thinks she's left in an uber vehicle but the uber driver robert westlake came and picked up another client not not the girlfriend he picks someone else up so jason beck the ex-con comes out and follows the uber driver in the car he's driving his truck he cuts off the uber driver's car and the dash cam shows him pull over in front of him and block him off. So he's, they come to a full stop. Jason Beck jumps out of the car and approaches out of, out of his truck and approaches the car of the Uber driver. And he's making threats. That's what you're going to hear. The kind of conclusion of that here in number four. 
Police say it all started at a bar in Dundee, about 45 miles south of Orlando. Boke and his estranged girlfriend Jessica Mazzarella were drinking here when they got into a fight. Boke left, but was still watching the bar from a truck he borrowed from a friend. Police say Mazzarella was texting with Boke while also helping a bartender get an intoxicated customer into an Uber. Boke followed that Uber thinking Mazzarella was inside, but she wasn't. He told her he planned on assaulting the driver. But what police say Boke did not know was the driver, Westlake, was a recent police academy graduate and armed with a legal concealed handgun. Here's a message for the hotheads of the community. Don't do that stuff. Good people carry guns, and they will shoot you a lot. Graveyard dead. Sheriff officials say Boke had an extensive criminal history. It was actually on probation for a previous felony battery charge. Tony DeCopel, CBS News, New York. So he's got a previous felony charge. He's on probation for battery. He's planning on beating up the Uber driver. He's texting the girlfriend thinking she's in the car and that the beatdown is going to happen in front of her. Instead, he reaches for his cell phone. And when they checked his car, they didn't find a firearm. They found illicit drugs and uh, drug paraphernalia, but they didn't find an actual firearm. He reaches for the cell phone. He's talking about shooting the Uber driver. The Uber driver, uh, you know, in a justifiable self-defense, he shoots him. So this is, this is the way it's supposed to work, although it, it, it is unfortunate that the guy actually wasn't armed, but he was making the threat verbally, and that's all that was present is a credible, reasonable belief that you are ab- about to be killed for a person to utilize stand your ground. So why am I covering this on the show? Well, I'm, I'm a proponent of the Second Amendment, and I do think there are cases in which the, sec- the, the stand your ground law has it seems like there's a bit of a double standard, especially down in Florida. But in this particular instance, this is a classic case of a clean shoot. And that is, you know, police officers often use that terminology, clean shoot, to indicate that the shooting was warranted. So ex-cons who are out of prison on probation for battery, uh, you know, battery charges, running around getting drunk and then a planning, on, planning on basically battering someone else, And he ends up getting shot instead. It's the way it's supposed to happen because the Uber driver shouldn't have to undergo a beatdown in order to be justified in defending himself. It's unfortunate that the ex-con was killed. But in most shootings for self-defense, the instruction on self-defense type shooting is that you shoot to disable completely the attacker. So I'm, I'm... I'm never happy to hear that someone has you know, had to discharge their firearm, and it's the prayer of all gun owners that they don't have to ever use their gun in self-defense. But as the sheriff said, you know, don't go around threatening to beat folks up. Don't go around instituting assault and battery and instigating it. Don't, don't, just don't do it. And if you are a person who's concealed carry certified, continue to be trained, continue to go to the range, continue to... Uh, you know, to pray over the fact that you're going out and you're you're doing that. It's an extra responsibility. And you hear him exclaim during the first clip, you heard him exclaim um, from the dash cam video. It also had audio. You can hear the passenger cry out. He cries out. You know, it was it was a traumatic incident for them. And then he tried to give the guy life saving measures until emergency could arrive. But it was to no avail. So really, really sad story all all around. I'm not 
never going to be a fist pumper on a story like this, but it is a classic case of a clean shoot and one that people should pay attention to so that you can know. So that that was a clean shoot. What is not a clean shoot? What is what is a, a shooting that would result in the person who did the shooting actually being brought up on charges for manslaughter or something like that? Well, it sounds a lot like that case where the gentleman pushed the other guy to the ground because he was screaming at his wife in the parking lot and he ended up just shooting the guy when his life wasn't in any immediate danger. He'd been pushed, but his life wasn't in immediate danger. So there's there's nuance to it and it really relies upon the the way the stand your ground law is crafted in the state where the incident occurs and what the sheriff, the ultimate arbiter of whether or not to refer the case for prosecution to the prosecutor, whether the sheriff decides that it's, this was a clean shooter. It wasn't. And so, you know, uh, that, that's, that's that story. Um, also I just want to comment on, um, we're, so we're not, we're not going to spend, we have not spent it's Friday. We have not spent the entire week, um, you know, basically in idol worship to elected officials who have passed on to their reward. And I'm not going to be spending a whole lot of time paying attention to, uh, to the trending news today is that Bill Clinton is still Bill Clinton. He's people are calling him still the first black president and that he went to Aretha Franklin's funeral instead of John McCain's. And I people have been, well, you haven't said anything about, you know, either one all week. I think it is fitting to, you know, say, oh, that's that's terrible that someone has passed away, but I'm just not going to engage in the kind of hero worship that I'm seeing from some individuals over the passage of, of any person, any person really. Um, just comments if you need to. I'm also not going to engage in, in telling accurate truths that may sound like criticism during this very difficult time for the, the uh, McCain family. So that's that. The whole week. Look, we made it all the way through, and that was the only mention. Fantastic. So the call lines are open at 866-963-2037. I also want to point you to this story really quickly. Um, this story, I thought, was so dastardly, and it ended up kind of being a big deal online on social media, and it's about this billboard that's being displayed in Texas, and it's in the Dallas metro area, and we did talk about this a little bit. The tweet that I sent out about that billboard has actually been um, favorited 22,000 times and retweeted over 12,000 times because most people who see the billboard are outraged by the callousness of telling women, black women, black women take care of their families by taking care of themselves. And then in all caps, like 78 font, abortion is self-care like a spa day, you know, self-care is going to bed on time, exercising or getting a nice walk, getting some time in the sun every single day, calling a friend, um, you know, unplugging your phone, unplugging your TV and just reading a book. Self-care is supposed to indicate little things that you're doing to kind of push back against the insanity of our crazy schedule. Self-care can be deleting things off of your schedule and saying, I'm just not going to do that. And Focusing on the major items. Self-care can be as simple as babysitting for someone else so you can spend time around kids. Self-care is not abortion. The reason blacks are marketed to in this way is because our lives are not as valuable as other people's lives. And I don't mean like Black Lives Matter. I mean like Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, eugenicists, and other people who support Planned Parenthood, the pro-abortionists. 
We've lost nearly 40% of the black population to abortion and 18 states worth of Americans to abortion since Roe v. Wade. That's not self-care. That's demonic worship of sexual, really, looseness. Abortion as contraception. I think we should put a stop to those billboards. We'll see what happens. We'll be back with Lauren Zelt right after these messages. Stay there. Maybe you've been hearing the messages from Preborn asking listeners to join together to help save babies' lives through ultrasound, and you're not sure how to respond. Here's the story of one woman who took that step. I heard about Mission Preborn just before December of last year and asked my husband if we could give at least 140. Just last week, we received our packet. My husband came in the house and he was telling me, this is our preborn packet, the ultrasounds. I started crying without even seeing them. Not only were there five babies, but one of the moms was having twins. We were just elated for that. For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds, and you'll receive a story and a picture of babies' lives that were spared. All gifts are tax deductible, and 100% of your sponsorship goes to saving babies. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or go to preborn.com. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a legacy moment. You don't have to be smart to fight. For the most part, fighting is pretty stupid. Karen and I have been married since 1971, and as you can imagine, over this period of time, we've had our share of disagreements and arguments. But we don't argue quite as much as we used to. We've concluded that we're in this thing for the long haul, and We've also seen the downside of fighting, arguing, and disagreeing. I suppose you could say that we've matured some. I hope we have after all these years. Today, although we still have our disagreements and we will aggressively disagree from time to time, we're more apt to focus on a certain perspective of the issue and try to resolve it and move toward a resolution of the conflict, working it out rather than having to prove who's right or who's wrong. Most of the fighting and the quarreling I see really is based on selfishness, protecting some turf and proving I'm right and you're wrong. Most fighting is pretty stupid. It doesn't accomplish anything. Instead, resolution and reconciliation should be our goal in any conflict. That's what we're looking for. God has called every follower of Jesus Christ to be proactive, to be intentional about resolving conflict. I want you to listen to these words in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 3. Listen to what Solomon says. Keeping away from strife is an honor for a man, but any fool will quarrel. That's pretty straight, strong language. Keeping away from strife is an honor for a man, but any fool will quarrel. Solomon is saying that honorable people pursue unity. Quarreling is for fools. So don't be a fool. Don't go there. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Don't pick a fight. Stay away. Be a resolver of conflict and not a contributor to strike. Legacy Moment is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Global Ministries. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hello. Happy Friday. 
<laughs> Happy Friday to you. Good to be back with you. Um, I'm super excited about getting to the phone lines today. It's Friday, and I love chatting with our listeners. So we're going to first speak to um, a caller from, I believe, it's Texas, Shelly. Thanks for calling in to Stacy on the right. Hello. Hi. Hello. You're on the air. Hello. I don't this think she Shelley. can hear me, guys. Um, maybe we need to get her a better line. Can you hear me? I can hear you. <clears throat> I can hear you, but I don't think you can hear me. I can hear you. Yes. Welcome to the okay. show. What's your comment? Thank you. I would like to give you just a little bit of background. Um, 33 years ago, I had the opportunity to adopt a baby girl who was conceived as a result of rape, was scheduled for a saline abortion when she was six months old in the womb. Um, The doctor said she would have multiple handicaps and that her biological mother would not be able to survive the birthing process. Um, The mother, though, handicapped, was no pushover, and she asked the doctor some questions, and he said, I can't answer those questions. It's big. And so she went to birthright, and my family got recommended to adopt her. Um, She was perfect and one of the healthiest kids I've ever known, and I've taught for 30 years. Um, And she is the mother of my four incredibly beautiful, brilliant grandchildren. Um, So with that background, um, I I would like to ask you the question. We just recently, the Senate just passed another spending bill completely funding predatory planned parenthood. Ted Cruz and John Cornyn didn't vote. Why is there no outcry? We're at 61 million babies killed and no, no telling how many generations of children's children have we lost. Why do I just hear crickets when the people who say they're pro-life are doing nothing? All right. So um, thank you for sharing that story about your daughter and your grandchildren, which it's, it's like adding an arm to your family tree, having children or adopting them. Um, and thank you for sharing the information about Ted Cruz and Cornyn. Um, I'm going to let you go so we can have a clear line here. I, I, so this is the question I've been asking numerous times during the show this week. I've pointed out that not only does Planned Parenthood get the $558 million, not only were they fully funded in the last bill, not only I played audio from uh, Rand Paul from 2014, from 2006, from this year, just a few weeks ago. In fact, it was the week before last that, or last week, that uh, Rand Paul was on the floor of the Senate decrying the fact that Republicans were blocking his amendment that would have defunded Planned Parenthood. Um, There are 33,000 centers across the country, multiple centers in every state in America and our territories that are federally funded clinics that provide all of the reproductive care services and health care for women and children and men, everyone, doctors who are certified OBGYNs and nurse practitioners. And these individuals actually are taxpayer funded and they don't provide abortions. That's the only thing they don't do. And so I don't understand why. Um, Ted Cruz would abstain from voting. And he might say, well, I was campaigning because he's up for re-election and he has a very tough go against this Beto O'Rourke, who is actually of Irish descent. He's not actually Hispanic at all. 
And um, it, it's so I'm not sure why Ted Cruz didn't vote, but I'm I'm calling on everyone. I renew my call for people to engage in fasting and fasting has such a bad rap in the Christian world in that most people think you have to go without food and water for 40 days and there are no variations. You can give up meat. You can give up all food and just have water. You can fast for a half a day, a day, you know, a, a full day, meaning 24 hours, sun up to sundown. Uh, it's up to you. You pray about what God has for you to do. But the reason we don't have what we're looking for, what, we're, what we say we want, is that we haven't decided that it's of enough importance for us as Christians to corporately fast for a specific end. In the Bible, over and over and over again, the Israelites fasted and prayed and received protection from God. They received reprieve from judgment. They received, um, you know, things that had been taken from them would be restored to them. It's because we're not fasting and praying. That's, that's you know, and obviously we have, a cultural sickness in our country where God has been removed from the public sphere. And without God being openly acknowledged, he, he's not going to leave his hand of blessing on us forever if we're going to do that in response to him, that open rebellion. So I think a lot of our elected officials, they go to Washington, D.C., and they get corrupted. There's a lot of money there. There's a lot of power that is being traded and 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 exchanged. And um I think the majority of the people that we have in the Senate, while they may be Republicans and they run on the Republican ticket and they receive money from the Republican National Committee, they're not truly in in line with the Republican Party platform, which is completely and utterly pro-life. One of the last things that Phyllis Schlafly did before she passed away last year was to serve on the platform committee of the Republican National Committee and at, at the uh, at the convention. And it's the most pro-life platform we've ever had. And I just, I, I'm, I'm just as flabbergasted as you are that we don't have movement on this and that we continue to fund Planned Parenthood. And it's not just the $558 million, It's the $1.2 billion in reimbursements from the federal government through our programs. $1.2 billion, that's not a drop in the hat. That's, that's, that's major money. That's something that all of us, it should keep us up at night and it should spur us on to pray and fast about that that God would give us a supernatural type of a of a answer, not just the regular answer where you know you pray and, and you kind of wait and you keep doing what you're doing and you, and you wait for the answer to your prayer. I'm talking about a mighty wind, a refreshing wind of revival to flow through this country to get us where we need to be, which is not funding Planned Parenthood. And that only takes care of a third of the abortions, by the way, about 340000 a year through Planned Parenthood. The other 600 or so thousand are done by private doctors. Uh, it's another battle. We want Planned Parenthood first, and we, we, have to, we can't lose our resolve. So let's commit ourselves to fasting and praying about it. Um, and let's go to the phones again. Sam from Kentucky. Sam, thank you so much for calling into the show. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, because I heard your last call. I didn't want to make that mistake again. Um, anyway, so I am not a Christian, but I am also not like a, a promoter of killing children, obviously. And so I was wondering what... So I have a little um, back and forth on the abortion debate. You know, we claim to be pro-life, but at the same time, you know, millions of kids 
are homeless all over the world, millions of kids, um, really don't have the kind of, how you would say, um, conditions to uh, be brought up healthily. And thousands of kids in America are in foster care homes. Thousands of foster parents um, do it for the state checks. I was just wondering what your opinion is on uh, being pro-life. Like, what does that entail? Does that mean we are pro-life advocating for quality of life after birth? Are we solely focusing on the fetus? What is your opinion on that? Well, first of all, um, when you talk about there being, there aren't, there aren't thousands, there are probably well over a billion children on the face of this planet who don't have adequate food and water and are living in conditions that we would consider to be outside of what we would permit here in this country. We are not responsible for the entire planet. What we are responsible for is what goes on in the country of our nationality. So as citizens of America, the children that we should primarily be concerned with are those who are in our country and are American citizens. That's the first thing. The second thing that you mentioned is that there are a lot of kids in foster care. There are about 450,000 children in America in foster care. And the church has been spurred on for about 15 years now it's been going on to go out and adopt children, regardless of whether or not the, the ethnic background is the same as your own family, to go out and adopt kids to take care of that heavy burden that is placed on the state, the federal government, by children whose parents are incarcerated or addicted to drugs or who have been killed. And so the church has answered that call and has increased adoptions exponentially to get those kids out of foster care. As far as whether or not we care about life after the child is born, the pro-life movement is a reaction to the passage by the Supreme Court of Roe v. Wade. So the primary effort is to ban abortion in this country because it is the killing of a human life. But pro-life organizations also have an entire arm of what they do that is devoted towards helping people who make that life decision for their baby to help them to have a, a, a place to live. We, I'm, I actually speak at organizations like this. My husband and I, we are a part of an organization like that here in St. Louis where we absolutely fund diapers, rent payments. We give them furniture, anything that's needed. So I don't just stand outside the plan, Planned Parenthood here in St. Louis and speak. I don't just rail against abortion here locally on the radio and nationally on the radio. I also put my dollars and my time and my resources towards women who've chosen life to make sure that they have a place to live that's safe and clean. They have electricity. They have heating. They have cooling. They have dishes. They have food. They have supplies for their babies and that they have postnatal care, prenatal care and postnatal and care for the children all the way through. So the idea, this is, you know, this is actually a lie. That, that's, uh, that's not true that's not really when people say that. a lot that. of people are aware of that. Because that the left says that we're do. not. The left lies about yeah, the pro-life that is, movement. That is so true. And I totally agree with you. Um, you know, being in a, such a polarized country is really hard sometimes because the left and the right are, you know, stereotyped into being things that they're not. I totally agree with you. I personally I'm not really sure where I fall. So I have another question for you, and then, you know, I'll leave you alone. But um, I clearly appreciate uh, listening to you guys. And so defunding Planned Parenthood would also defund people's access to contraceptive care, to uh, access to resources that help screen for cancers, STDs, 
STIs, HIV, AIDS prevention, things like that, sexual health information, things of that sort. So I was wondering, um, you know, if defunding of Planned Parenthood is something that is eventually accomplished, uh, that Christian organizations would take the lead, not only providing pre- and postnatal care, incredible, but do you think they would also stand behind um, offering services for those things as well? We're already doing that. Pregnancy Resource Centers provide STD testing and uh, contraception, all of that. But pregnancy Resource Centers already provide that. But, but the church doesn't need to step up to the plate on that because there are 33,000 federally funded health care centers that are free to women to use for their reproductive care. And those 33,000 centers, federally funded, are all over the United States. They outnumber Planned Parenthood's by, well, Planned Parenthood has, I think, under 500 facilities in the country that provide those services. So 500 Planned Parenthood's, if they were defunded, they would still be there because those centers would have um, the private funding that Planned Parenthood has. So what you're saying is that there's a loss if Planned Parenthood isn't federally funded, and that's not true. The only loss is that we would have one-third less abortions. I hope you have a great day. You too. Thanks. You. Have, have a happy um, Labor Day. And thanks for yeah, calling in your questions. Too. I appreciate you uh, asking and, and seeking out to, to get the answers instead of just kind of going with the flow, which a lot of people just listen to whatever's out there. Um, I, I'm absolutely happy that we had a chance to speak to a couple of callers just now. And if you're still in the call queue, we'll get with you. Right now, I want to go to our guest. We have Lauren Zalt, who is a Republican strategist, joining us to talk news of the day. Hey, we're, hey, um, and, and also she was the press secretary for Senator Kelly Iote. Uh, Lauren, thanks for joining the show. Hey, Stacey. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, really appreciate the opportunity today. Yeah, so it's I have good to, to talk tell to you. you, I like what you were talking about with the Women's Health Center. Yes. Nobody knows that, and it's so important. I actually, when I was working in the Senate, visited a few of them um, with Senator Ayotte, and they're really great places. And so I'm glad that you um, were, you know, talking about those and, and educating people about that because it's really important, and no one talks about it. So thank you. I I appreciate that you've actually been to a couple of them. I have two here in St. Louis. I've actually been to two of them. Um, I have to say, it's when you say clinic, I think some people might have this weird connotation that it's something like Not different. It's just a doctor's office. I mean, yep. it's a clinic because it's more than one doctor and nurses and all of that. And that is a technical term for a medical office, uh, whether it's in an office building or whether it's a standalone building. But it's really just whatever doctor you go to, it's just like that. It's the same mm-hmm. kind of facility. It's the same. It, there's nothing substandard about it. They're federally funded as opposed to Hospitals that you go to are usually privately funded by, you know, a, a hospital system that's owned by the Catholic Church or, you know, used to be Jesuit yeah. in nature. You know, the, the, there's tons right. of different ways that we get all of our hospitals, but it's really it's like going to any doctor's office. The only difference is they don't perform abortions, but they do mammograms, they do pap smears, they do everything that you would uh, normally get be able to get. And some of the things that uh, Planned Parenthood doesn't do, Planned Parenthood doesn't actually do mammograms. Um, so they're, you know, they don't actually provide prenatal care either. They, if you come in and you say, I want to, I'm having this baby, 
they'll just give you a list of OBGYNs in the area. They don't actually take care of women who are, um, you know, actually going to have a baby. Yeah. Okay, Lauren, right. can you hold on over the break and then we'll get to the news of the day? You bet. Thank you. All right. Thank you. We'll be right back with more. We'll also take your calls with Lauren, so it'll be really fun to do that in the next segment. Stay tuned for these important messages. We'll be right back. Capital One commercial will forever be etched in the ear of the listener. What's in your wallet is a phrase that won't easily be forgotten. But this is not a Capital One plug. I want you to think about the people that are in your circle of influence. Who's in your circle is my new catchphrase. Simply because we don't think enough about the people or spirits that we allow into our personal space. Negativity is contagious and fatal. Misery loves company and it's fatal to your hopes and dreams. I think we all know someone who, no matter what good has happened, always has something negative to say. Ugh, that really bothers me. That bad attitude and that pessimistic spirit will only cause you to do the same. There's no room for doubt, especially if you're believing God to bring that vision to fruition. Now, this is not a license for you to be mean. It is, however, a license for you to assess who's in your circle and make the necessary adjustments. With a heart for the urban family, I'm today's urban woman, Tony Johnson. Connect with us at urbanfamilytalk.com. There was a time where um, I was in the middle of doing something and the Lord just, just really impressed upon my heart that I needed to buy my wife some flowers. I hadn't thought about it, hadn't done it in a while. And I walk into the door of our, our little small apartment and I have the flowers in my hand and my wife's eyes connect with mine. Her eyes just well up with tears. And I immediately start thinking, what's wrong? What happened? What's going on? And uh, she said, Abe, <laughs> I have been wanting some flowers but I know what our financial situation is, and I didn't want to be an additional burden on you because I know things are tight now. And man, it was just a moment where my wife and I just fall more deeply in love with the Lord and more deeply in love with one another. Tune in to the Hamilton Quarter, weekday afternoons at 5 Central on Urban Family Talk. By relying on Him. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. This is Poll Paris with Fox News Director of Polling, Dana Blanton. Generally speaking, do you consider yourself a Democrat or a Republican? Or don't you consider yourself either? We ask that question on every Fox News poll. Usually, more identify as Democrats. It's been that way consistently for over a decade. It isn't by a lot. On average, in each of the last few years, the Democratic Party's edge over the Republican Party was three percentage points. And more voters in the 2016 presidential election identified as Democrats by three points in the However, recently that advantage is widening. Democrats had a nine-point edge over Republicans in our latest poll. In March, it was three. In February, it was six. In 2017, Democrats averaged a six-point edge in affiliation. Lots of folks ask me, how come those numbers shift around? Here's the thing. Party identification isn't a fixed characteristic. It's an attitude that can move around in response to the politics of the day. Undoubtedly, it will keep bouncing around. I'm Dana Blanton, and that's your poll Paris. 
Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the show. Um, I think people probably do um, identify as Democrats a little bit more, according to Dana's potpourri there. Um, I guess it depends on who they're calling, right? Are they calling likely voters? Are they calling actual voters from the most the most frequent voters from the last two or three cycles? Are they calling voters who vote only during the midterms or people who vote only during the general? Are they calling in certain metropolitan areas? I mean, I, I'm, I'd love to know the polling methodology for how they select the individuals who will make it into the poll. And the other last thing that I, I got to ask is, you know, you're so... Blacks typically are underrepresented in poll responses because we don't like taking polls. That's what pollsters all over have told me. People uh, as, as high up as who work at Rasmussen, all the way down to local pollsters who do local political polls. But um, they also talk about how you your poll is based upon who answers. So if it's a phone poll, it's who answers the poll and stays through until the end so their answers can be counted. So if Democrats are more interested in answering poll questions than Republicans, then you're going to have some of this uptick be accounted for in that. I personally, I've taken all the polls I'm going to take. I, I used to take every single one, every single poll, no matter what time they called, I would stop what I was doing and I would take it by the phone. I don't do that anymore. So that's one Republican they're not hearing from if they're calling. Also, you have to wonder if it has anything to do with landline usage if they're doing the polls via landline and most people don't have a landline anymore then that's another way that they might be missing republican voters um so good afternoon to you welcome back to the program stacyontheright.com and uh we are speaking with lauren zelt she's a republican strategist lauren it's friday and i know we have tons of news still it's like we never have a break from all of the news what is hot on your radar for this friday afternoon going into the labor day weekend Oh, wow. Well, you know, I mean, I've got to be honest with you. I've been very taken um, with watching all the services for Senator McCain. Um, it's, it's a sad moment for our country. And, you know, I know, um, you know, I know towards the end, um, we had a lot of disagreements with President Trump. But to me, um, I think it was Paul Ryan that said in the service today um, that, you know, he was one of the bravest Americans our country ever produced. And, I just, I think that's right. And, you know, I, you know, met him a few times, um, you know, and I, uh, when we were on the campaign trail with um, Mitt Romney in 2012, he was with us at one of the debates. And, you know, I had the privilege of, of staffing him that day, um, you know, saw him a few times when I was, was in New Hampshire. And, you know, I, it's just, I've just been very taken with it. It's, it's hard, you know, it's hard to look away. I'll certainly be watching the funeral um, tomorrow morning, but, I don't want to bum your audience out, and I'm sorry. It is the Friday before a holiday weekend, but that's because of what um, you know. That's what I've been consumed with. But I think you know. Well, I you know, Lauren, I'm I'm actually not bummed out at all. I mean, obviously, we knew that he had brain cancer and that he it was terminal right. and that he would be passing away. I'm I'm deeply sympathetic to his wife and his children on their loss. But as far as uh, Senator McCain being the great one of the greatest Americans we've ever produced. I think that's probably, in my opinion, a stretch. And I think no greater indication of 
the kind of pettiness that was engaged in is the fact that they prevented Sarah Palin and her family from attending the services. And so I haven't seen a lick of it and I don't plan to watch any replays of it or anything, not because I have any animus, but because I just think, you know, when it's one thing when you're alive and you're having these kinds of disagreements, it's another thing to carry it over into the services where you deliberately exclude someone who she had her life really the trajectory of her life utterly changed by the fact that she said yes to his request to be on the ticket as the vice president. And now for the funeral, you know, her family's not even permitted to attend. And um, she's been so above board. Even when she was openly criticized by him, she never responded in kind. She's only said respectful things about him for the entirety of the years intervening between her being his campaign Uh, vice president and today even just as recently as last week when she was asked about being at the funeral and why she was excluded she said that they continue to respect and greatly value the friendship of the mccain family and they wish them the best during this time so you know i'm that was pretty classy i i I did see that that was a very classy statement yeah it was it was on her part so i just i'm i'm not i understand why we let people lie in state but i also think it's it's just weird for me seeing the different people who are so excited to eulogize him in light of the fact that he was a Republican. Um, you know, so the majority of the support that's coming towards him, especially and the speakers, he's having President Obama speaking there and um, some others who President Obama would never speak at, at a funeral for, uh, you know, any other standard Republican. And there's a reason for that. And so I, I just... Uh, I, I don't want to be the kind of person who throws a bunch of salt on a time like this where people are mourning. So that's why I've kind of left it off of our show. Um, and I, and not to if people are enjoying, you know, and, and really spending time engaging in that, that is their purview. And I think it's the right thing to do. It just depends on on who you are. Um, but I'm I'm more concerned about, you know, once all of this is over and we come back on Tuesday from our break, we still have Mueller indicting people for stuff that could be prosecuted through the IRS. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, you know, that's definitely something that, you know, I think is going to be right in the back of the front of the news cycle um, next, next Tuesday. But, you know, also on Tuesday, we have the Kavanaugh hearings, which um, are, are going to be very important and very critical. And I, for one, am quite excited about that. Um, you know, I think a lot of the Democrat senators who, you know, they, they had decided that they were going to vote no, you know, no matter who it was, even before the nominee was named. And, you know, I'm sure on Tuesday some of the, the Senate Dems will, you know, try to uh, make him look bad. You know, it'll probably be a bit of a circus. But the reality of the situation is we are about to have another conservative Supreme Court justice, which is awesome. And I am <laughs> so, very I'm with you. I'm really excited about that. Me and too. Really yeah. And, and I'm also really excited about the fact that, you know, the fight – the fight for the midterms really starts in earnest, um, you know, after Labor Day. I mean, this is the time, you know, people like you and I, we're paying attention to all the time. You know, we're looking at polling. You know, we're doing all this kind of stuff. But, you know, most Americans, you know, they've, they've been at the pool with their kids this summer. They haven't really been paying attention. And, and now, you know, now we get the fight going. And I'm, I'm excited. You know, I'm feeling really good um, about where we stand heading into the midterms. Especially about the Senate, you know, I think you know we we could possibly only make gains in the Senate, which is terrific because the map is awful for Democrats in the Senate, and you know they're just defending so many seats in turfs like in your home state. Um, and you know, Claire oh, I was going to ask you about that. Okay, talk to me, Claire McCaskill. How do you think it looks for yeah. her? Have you seen any background polling on that? 
You know, I'm not working on that race, so um, I haven't. I, the only thing I will say about this is that um, I I tend to respect, you know, even if I disagree with a politician, but if it's a female politician and you're you're good at winning, it's, it's hard for me not to, you know, kind of be like, wow, how does that keep happening? I will say, though, um, I think Josh is a great candidate. Um, I think that, you know, he... He will do, um, you know, he will do well, and I think there's definitely a, a possibility um, that that he can knock her out for sure. I think right now it's still a toss up, but I will I will give it to her. She's a fighter, so yeah. You know, we'll see. You you have in your backyard one of the um, you know most contested races, and you know so especially you know friends and neighbors. I don't know if you're going to get out and campaign for Josh Hawley, but I think that would be. Great idea. I hope he's joining your show. I hope he's, you know, uh, really making his presence and, and meeting as many voters as he can because, you know, it's going to be a tight one. It is. But, I, you know, I feel good about his chances. Well, I think um, they most recently called it a toss-up, and she's even yeah. said in audio at an event that she's in the race for her life in a state that, you know, has no uh, statewide elected Democrats. And so she's concerned about being perfect. Uh, but she's also voted against Gorsuch's nomination. And I think she's going to vote against Kavanaugh. I don't know for sure. She hasn't actually said, but I'm pretty sure Claire McCaskill's going to vote against Kavanaugh's uh, confirmation on the Supreme Court. I think it's going to be bad news for her to do so, but I think she's going to okay. do it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think you're right about that. Yeah, so right I'm now I'm wondering. So that you're right, it is a hotly contested race, and I am watching it. I, 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 and I invited Claire McCaskill on the show. She's been invited by my producer, I think, multiple times. I know he's invited her twice. I think he reached out again because we have had Josh Hawley on the show during the primary. And we do plan to have him on again before the election so that he can, you know, oh, talk about his campaign. But we also, yep. you know, we, we have offered the space to Claire McCaskill. And we hope that sometime between now and the actual election, she'll come on just to give our listeners an opportunity to hear from her directly instead of, you know, me having to find places where she's spoken and share those clips. And obviously she's on MSNBC a lot and, and cable news, but oh, it'd be great course. to hear her. You know, <laughs> it, it would be great to hear from her. I don't understand why she can't give us a chance here. Uh, it's certainly not for lack of audience size or engagement. We, we would, we would be very, very happy to have her on. Um, so let's you know, talk a little. I caution you though was saying with, with her, saying that she's in the fight of her life, you know, that's often used, candidates say that a lot, so that they can, you know, use it for fundraising. So whether or not she actually believes that, I don't know. I know that that's what the polling is saying, for sure. But, I, you know, whether that or not that's actually what she believes in her head, who knows. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Democrats especially, they love that, you know, they love really making people nervous, you know, that they're going to lose so that they'll give more money. I mean, it's just the whole thing. But mm. I personally think that that was, to probably try to bring donations, but what do I know? <laughs> well, I, that's how I feel. I'm like, what do I know? I mean, she's she's. I think she's she's concerned, but how concerned she is, I couldn't I couldn't tell you because she really has done a a masterful job of winning elections against viable candidates so far in in her career. Um, I want to go to the phones and take a quick call. Um, we have Mary from Kansas. Mary, thanks for calling into the show. We have Lauren Zelt, who's a Republican strategist, on with us today. Hey, Mary. Oh, I'm not sure if we still have our caller. She was on a little bit earlier. I don't see any response there. Okay, well, so we don't have Mary, but we do have... Oh, <laughs> My producer said that was 20 minutes ago. 
<laughs> um, so let's just, talk. To, time flies just, when you're having fun, Stacey. I mean, yeah, yeah, good. it does, especially when I'm talking to friends. It's I'm I can't help it. I'm sorry that we didn't get to her. I want I really wanted to speak with her. Or actually, did we already speak to her? That might be a little bit of, of me on the crazy pants side. Um, let's talk about right, Kavanaugh's okay. hearing. So Kavanaugh is actually set. They've set up two war rooms. The White House has um, aides will provide rapid response as he testifies. And they're making last minute preparations for the confirmation hearings. He's holding final prep sessions. I personally feel in watching, I've watched just, I, I won't say a lot, but I've watched a, a decent amount of whatever there is of him speaking publicly. And he really seems like um, he's, he's really, really capable. Like I, I don't see him getting oh, yeah. caught up, you know, like some, I know they were concerned with one of the, the possible contenders. Um, her name's slipping my mind right now, but you know who I'm talking about. She was an amazing, she, she is an amazing jurist, oh, mother yes. of eight. I know who you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. I can't remember her name at the moment. Either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted her, but they were saying they right. were concerned that her, her faith and her open practice of, you know, fundamental Catholicism, et cetera, et cetera. And especially her pro-life views, which had been publicly expressed might be a stumbling block for her. I don't see Kavanaugh having those same issues. Do you? I don't, and I actually think that's why um, he was chosen. I think that of sort of who we knew was the top list of nominees, I think that he was chosen because um, he was sort of the, the safest bet to get through confirmation. Now, I will say, you know that I think some on the Hill were a bit concerned because he does have a very lengthy career in which he's tried a lot of cases, you know, written a lot of things, and so he has a little bit more of a paper trail. Than others, and so I think on Tuesday, what you're going to see is you'll see some of these senators. Um, I believe it's Senator Chuck Grassley that will provide over the, the hearing, um, and he did an excellent job um, with Neil Gorsuch's hearing as well. So I, I expect to see the same this time. But um, you know, I think we'll see. You know, Democrat senators they've, they've got their opposition, you know, research hands, you know, busy preparing for this, and I'm sure that they will pull things out, you know, from 10, 20, 30 years ago. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't see why he would be stopped. And I think that he is likely to just go through this process really nicely. I mean, and the media has been doing some crazy stuff to try to, you know, uh, to try to discredit him. I think I saw yeah. one article and it was like, well, in college, he liked to eat spaghetti. And it was like, yeah. okay. Like, he borrowed money to go to baseball games. Uh, yeah. not, and I don't mean borrowed, <laughs> like he spent credit card. So he used his credit card to purchase tickets to go to baseball games. And it was a lot. Which is about like he's the most American thing ever. Right, but he spent a lot of money. Some outrageous sum, like thirty thousand no, or something. And then, no, then he paid it back. He paid. He right paid now, the credit cards off. He, yeah, and he had spent <laughs> the money because it was like a group of friends, and they right. all just had him buy it. That's why. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, what's the problem with that? Like, so first of all, don't you wish you had a friend who you're like, let's all go to baseball games this entire season. But instead of us buying the tickets individually, you buy them. And so you say that to your friend. Instead of them going, are you out of your mind? They go, okay, I'll buy them. And so they buy the yeah. tickets and then you reimburse him. And he's not even worried about you reimbursing him. You know, each ticket's like a couple hundred dollars because they're get, sitting in these really great seats. And they're eating yeah. and they're enjoying themselves. And any friend could flake out and then he'd be on the hook. And instead, they're mocking him for that. Like, I just thought they could find something better. <laughs> I know. It's been honestly really fun to watch. 
Like, it just makes me to be very proud to be a conservative, to be honest with you. <laughs> me too. I, I was watching yeah. it and thinking, uh, I know our side wouldn't go here. I mean, we're not perfect, but wow. Well, Lauren, it's been great to chat with you today. Thank you for coming on. Happy Labor Day. Talk to you again soon. Thank you. All right. <laughs> we'll be back with more after this. Stay tuned. Family Talk.